Welcome to another edition of The Pit Box. I'm Emma Delaney. And my name is Chris Steers. Yep, this is The Pit Box. Really exciting episode this week. Uh, Baku is just around the corner. But first, what a race Monaco was. Um, I must admit, I think it was the first time ever in Monaco's history I don't think we've had any yellow flags, uh, which is pretty cool. But what a race it was all the same. Mercedes had a howler, Lando Norris got third place, Carlos Sainz in second and Max Verstappen won. So what do you take from Monaco, Emma? How was Monaco for you? Well, I have, as always, my winners and my losers for Monaco. Winners, obviously, Verstappen. Top of the driver's standings now. Great race for him. It wasn't overly difficult. There were some circumstances that made it quite easy for him, but he won nonetheless. And as I said, he is now at the top of the driver's standings. Also a winner, Signs. Excellent race to finish second. Um, Ferrari looked strong at the weekend. As we've said before, Monaco suits the car. However, I think Baku is going to be a very different circuit and it's unlikely that they're going to be fighting for a podium this weekend. Also on my winners list, Norris. So Norris was on your winners list, but he was a bit of a surprise during the whole Grand Prix because everybody was talking about Max. Everyone was talking about Charles Leclerc, who unfortunately... uh, crashed the Ferrari uh, in Q3 uh, got through um, was I think P1 he qualified uh, and then obviously he did something went wrong with the car and he couldn't race real shame for him at his home Grand Prix but you know that sort of bunked up the order Max did Max a favour so he was in first uh, Carlos Sainz came second so a bit of a resurrection there for, for Ferrari so they still came second which is really good it's a real shame because I think that's the one race Ferrari were looking really strong at I think they had every opportunity to have taken two podium places there um, it was an absolute shame obviously the incident in qualifying it was a misjudgment on the exit of the swimming pool complex he broke his right front suspension which they noticed and they tried to fix but ultimately the impact also cracked the left rear drive shaft hub and they didn't discover that until the sunday so there was no race whatsoever i'm afraid for leclerc i would also like to say vettel in the aston martin brilliant result in Monaco, starting in the top 10 for the second race in a row and the team provided an excellent strategy for both drivers at Monaco. Combine it with the problems for Leclerc and Bottas, a longer first stint than Lewis and Pierre Gasly and a rather superb pit exit if I do say so myself, um, Vettel finished in a brilliant fifth place. Excellent drive from Vettel all round last time out. Now you mentioned Bottas, I did put Bottas as one of my losers. However, I have swiftly changed that to Mercedes in general. Um, They just had an awful weekend, let's be honest. It happens to the best of us. Bottas, well, I mean, what can you say? I have never heard of that scenario before. I've never heard of it being stuck and unable to get the wheel off. Toto came out and said after the race that it was a team failure. The highs are high in Formula 1 and the lows are low. And they, they, they win as a team and fail as a team. So I think that's really, really important there to remember that it's not good pinning the blame on one person, member of the pit crew or Bottas. It was multiple events which led to the failure of the wheel nut. And the best way of describing it is like getting an electric screwdriver. And if you don't get it dead center on the screw, uh, you cross-thread the screw. Same thing with this wheel nut. And obviously they have to do it much quicker in a pit stop as well. So if you don't get it dead straight, it's quite a force. The pit crew would, would be spinning round on the floor every time they use it. 
if they weren't physically weighting themselves down, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it, it, it's a team failure. Never seen it in Formula One before, but I think it's important to emphasize that it could have happened to anyone. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure many of us have done it in DIY at home. Seems really easy. However, I just wouldn't imagine it happening on a Formula One car by a pit crew. One thing I've noticed is that Mercedes doesn't like overtaking, both for Bottas and Hamilton. It's okay when it's at the front of the pack. It's a brilliant car when it's at the front of the pack. It can fly off into the distance and you don't see it for ages. It just doesn't like overtaking and Hamilton got lucky a few race weekends ago with that red flag and obviously his sheer talent helped as well but I've seen it before Monza last year when Hamilton was penalised he couldn't climb his way up through the, he sort of got stuck in the midfield almost so that Mercedes does not like overtaking and on Monaco you have to seize that opportunity because you don't get many opportunities to overtake it doesn't. And of course, it doesn't help that Monaco is not an overtaking track. Uh, the opportunities are few and far between. I don't think, in all honesty, Hamilton had a hope. I think it was almost a ripple effect left over from Hamilton in qualifying. Um, he didn't qualify so well. One of his worst qualifying sessions I've seen him do in a long time. And for Hamilton, that's saying something because he doesn't have bad qualifying sessions. And yeah, he just couldn't get any further in the race. Someone, though, who did have an incredible race, you mentioned him earlier on, Lando Norris. And I want to give a mention to him because he managed to hold Checo Perez towards the end of the Grand Prix. Now, I know Monaco is a hard circuit to overtake on, but it's also pretty hard to hold your nerve when you've got someone right up behind you for about 15 laps. I think he did. Amazing race from Norris. And this is the point. Um, he gave us a scare right at the beginning. He got onto a final warning for track limits at turn 10 really early on in the race and you know what he didn't step out of line afterwards he went the rest of the race without going off anywhere on that track also the really close race between Norris and Perez it was enough pressure from Perez that many of the drivers would have crumbled under that pressure and would have lost it at some point but he didn't he hung in there and it was a fantastic last half of the race and he made it to the podium and finally we have to talk about has uh, what an abysmal weekend they've had i know they're not putting money into the car this year but still they were lapped like five or six times in the race i might be exaggerating there but it was quite a few times they were lapped i feel a bit sorry for mick but i think he's in the right team to learn obviously both uh, Mazepin and schumacher are rookie drivers so it's almost like a learning experience for him i think so yeah, let's let's just see what happens with Haz. I don't know about you. What do you what do you reckon on this? I have to admit, I'm not expecting much more from Haas at all for the rest of this season. They have come out and said themselves that the rest of this season is what it is. They are looking firmly forward to 2022. Um and yes, they are standing by that. I can't see huge things coming from them, I'm afraid. And I think that's the important thing to remember with Haas. They've got two rookie drivers. They need this time, they need to learn, they need to hone their craft. And as the car hopefully improves, so will they. Before we move on to our Baku preview, I want to give a special mention to Jason Dupasquier, uh, who is a motorcycle rider uh, in Moto3 as part of MotoGP. He sadly lost his life last weekend at a MotoGP race. It was in qualifying in the Moto3 section. Um, he sadly didn't make it from a crash and he is going to be in everyone's thoughts this weekend in Baku in Formula One because uh, there's a sense of shared grief in, in motorsport at the minute 
it's, it's a very dangerous sport and it can be so cruel to us at times. So rest in peace or ride in peace, Jason Dupasquier. It absolutely can. Um, everybody goes into it, eyes wide open. They are fully aware of the, what consequences could be there, but they enjoy it and they live for every moment of it. Um, and he was a fantastic rider. He's a talent who'd be very much missed in the paddock. Uh, that is Motor 3 rider Jason Dupasquier, who has sadly passed away. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix is this coming weekend and it's going to be an exciting track because I always think it's like a hybrid between a normal race circuit and of course a Monaco style circuit. It is a, of course a, in the streets of Baku but I like that it's a mixture of the modern city and the old city so it can get quite tight at times. Uh, there's obviously that famous quote from Charles Leclerc when he crashes into the, the barrier by the castle and he says, I am stupid. So Emma, who's your hot tips for this coming weekend? I'm expecting Mercedes to come back strong this weekend, uh, as anybody would. I'm also expecting Red Bull to be up for the fight. I know there's a lot of issues going on at the moment about the car. Put that aside, I think those two teams are looking for the top. Um, however, I think Ferrari and McLaren will be right behind them. All it takes is one slip and they will take advantage. I think as we saw with Lando in Monaco, that was sporting merit that he got that position. You know, he held that position. So I think, as you say, with McLaren, ones to watch. And I think also Daniel Ricciardo, I know it's not he's not had a great start to the season so far, but bear in mind he is in a new car and obviously this this new McLaren is a is a different kettle of fish. But I think he will come round and at some point be back up there in the top ten with Lando, don't you? I certainly do. I mean, it takes time to get used to anything when you move and you do something new. A lot of the drivers moved for this season. Some have taken to it like a duck to water. Some are just taking a little longer to get to grips. Um, I've heard it said that each car is completely different and you need to change your style in order to drive a different one. It's just going to take time, I think. What do you think is the best thing about the Baku street circuit? I think the greatest thing about the Baku circuit is the long main straight. Um, it's ideal for slipstreams. It's ideal for overtaking. And of course, it means they go into turn one, three abreast. It's a real race. And then it narrows off into the old town and becomes really windy through the streets. Teams are going to have to choose between downforce or less drag. Do they want security in the corners or do they want speed on the straight? That's what makes this race a great one. Very exciting race ahead then for Baku in Azerbaijan. The Grand Prix is this coming weekend. Practice, of course, on the Friday, qualifying on Saturday and the race on Sunday. Back to the normal race weekend format. Now, while we're talking about race weekend formats, often you have like these warm-up races to Formula 1, often like Formula 2 or Formula 3. W Series is going to be making its debut as a Formula 1 Grand Prix event so it's going to be like a one of the support races really excited about this because w series is like the female only equivalent of something like formula 2 formula 3 it's where a lot of the junior female drivers and it's all about championing the femaleness in the sports you know to prove that there are female drivers that are very talented in racing and the exciting thing is it's going to be on channel 4 as part of their formula 1 coverage as well it's going to be the same teams crossing over to do the coverage so it's going to be on free to air television this is really exciting isn't it it absolutely is it's going to be one to watch. You are going to see some real talent coming up through here. It is definitely worth keeping an eye on this. 
This is incredible news for the sport and it's brilliant for those female drivers who will now be able to race in front of the Formula One team principals. They're going to be there as a support race. They're part of the entertainment at a Grand Prix. Absolutely. And we will be watching as well and we will bring you updates as and when we get them. Something else I'd like to mention to watch out for, Aston Martin have announced Racing Pride partnership with Racing Pride logos to feature on their cars at the French GP. So it's a month-long campaign and it's going to highlight the strength of the LGBTQ plus community within motorsport. So that's something to keep your eye out for France. And we wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for the We Race As One movement in Formula One. It's a movement that Formula One have been championing. It's their campaign. You've probably seen it at the start of races. We've partly got Lewis Hamilton to thank for that as well, because in last season he was, of course, championing the Black Lives Matter movement with End Racism. Um, now it's sort of evolved into this thing about diversity, equality, gender equality, sexual identity, and we wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for We Race As One. It's so apt. It's about equality in our sport. That's it for this week on The Pit Box. We'll be back next time ahead of the French Grand Prix. Enjoy Azerbaijan, and we'll see you then. This has been a Capella production produced and presented by Chris Steers and Emma Delaney with the support of Josh Lias on social media.